Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Um, I am Joey from The Social Shepherd. You've probably seen me before. Um, if you haven't seen me before, uh, I am the paid media director here. Um, I'm joined by Jack today, who's one of the, the co-owners of the company. Um, and we are here to talk to you about Facebook ads today. Yeah, I think um, I was looking back in how much we've spent over the last 180 days, as well as sort of like historically over since the start of the agency and you can put this on the screen but we spent 7.2 million dollars it's a lot of bloody money in the last 180 days and in the region of probably about 20 million dollars since the you know the start of the agency as well and i think from that we've obviously got a lot of experiences a lot of things that we can share from spending that volume of money i think at the moment we're probably spending you know realistically like 1.5 million dollars a month i guess is a sort of run rate and that's only mm -hmm. increasing with more and more clients so i think there's some hopefully good nuggets we can share of all of our experience on the facebook ad side and generally in paid social that some of them yeah absolutely over. what would be your first point joey of advice my first point of advice i think there's, I mean, there's many points of advice that we can go into. You know, I think one of the main things that we've learned since we've been, you know, running paid media activity as part of the agency um, is that, you know, we're going to be faced with so many different challenges based on the, you know, the client that we're working with, the brand, the type of product. Um, and I think working with the different caliber of clients that we have done over the over the last few years, you know, we've we've managed to gain so many different experiences, I guess, you know, working with, much smaller clients all the way up to, you know, global um, multinational companies as well. Um, there's lots of different ways that we approach it to see if we can get the best results out of the back end of it, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, but I think probably the first thing um, that we really kind of have learned and, and it's kind of come from, I guess, the type of client that we've worked with initially, which is one that's started off smaller, but we've managed to scale quite a lot. Yeah is actually, um, you know, the important things that are required to be able to scale that client and be able to grow the ad spend through through an account and obviously see the results out the back end of that too. Um, and, you know, having, uh, you know, a really well-defined product, really well-defined brand, but also a really good operational website is so important. You know, from the ads that we're running, we need to make sure that we're sending them through to a place where it's easy for the user to browse. It's easy for the user to shop. You know, we've worked with clients before where websites, uh, you know, aren't particularly up to scratch. You know, the user journey through initial interaction with the yeah. site actually through to the purchase is quite difficult, yeah. um, which then makes our job much harder in terms of trying to scale that activity because we don't have that kind of basis in place really. Yeah. And in terms of, what clients that generally see the most success or like you know what what are they willing to work with us on like in terms of like attribution and how that's like modeled and and how that they view it internally in terms of like ROAS and the ability to scale where have you seen those that have like scaled further and given you that freedom to do so versus maybe other previous clients that we've had which have been challenging to scale, what's the difference between 
those outside of their website product. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's two ends of the spectrum, really, isn't there? There's there's kind of a really regimented approach that we have, you know, with with some clients where, um, you know, budgets are a lot more set, um, and you know, we have to work towards, I guess, more stringent targets, um, you know, to uh, you know appease kind of their internal targets, essentially. Um, but then on the other end of the spectrum as well, we have some clients that we work with, um, which generally tend to be the ones that, um, you know, do scale better are the mm -hmm. ones that give us more flexibility around kind of what we're doing with the budget and kind of where that's going. Um, I think typically, and we've, we've mentioned this kind of a few times on the podcast before is really looking at the, the blended RAS modeling and mm -hmm. having a real holistic view is really important on that side of things. But not having a set budget to go alongside that, almost having like a performance-led budget where if you're hitting the target, keep spending. Yeah. Um, because that way you're not restraining yourself in any way by any particular set budgets yeah. and you can capture the market that's available at any one time. Yeah. Whereas if you've got set budgets, it's much harder to do so because there will only be a proportion of that market that you can capture rather than trying to gain all of it or as yeah. much as you can really. And over what period of time, you know, assuming that we've hit, that target like how how long would you want to see that performance stabilize at that level to then go and scale would you know obviously you probably don't want to look on it on a daily basis but is it over three days seven days longer than that how does that look i guess it depends on again the type of products that you're selling um i think naturally we've seen some great successes with fashion-based clients where the fluctuations that we see seasonally, um, yeah. you know, you know, particularly like spring, summer launch, autumn, winter launch, we do just, you know, a spike in the amount of traffic and the number of sales coming off the back of that. But I think particularly using Q4 as a really good opportunity to really hit hard. Um, I think, again, we've had some clients where we've really kind of loosened the constraints over Q4. And actually the levels that we've hit in terms of a revenue, you know, revenue um, generation over that Q4 period, we've then managed to maintain into the next year because yeah. we've kept that level of spend going um, and it's been really effective um, without, you know, having to go through Q4 and then scaling all the way back again. Yes. You really need to keep momentum going, which is really, really important yeah. from the scaling side of things. And for those sort of bigger global clients that we have and, you know, for any advice that you'd be giving any client like that of that sort of size naturally i think obviously you see a point in time where you know conversion based activity with purchase and objective there comes a degree of like diminishing returns and you just start getting capped out past that point what would your be like next piece of advice you know how would someone look to scale past that point based on campaign objective and pixel optimization yeah i think uh i guess number one thing to do after that is diversification of channels i think once you've maximized one channel um in terms of a conversion-based objective moving on to the next channel is probably the best thing to do next i think naturally most advertisers are on at least google and meta mm -hmm. um, um one avenue that we go down is pinterest and another tiktok um, now, granted, both of those generally a little bit more brand awareness based platforms, but there's still a level of conversion intent that you can capture yeah. um, for users on those channels. So I think it's really important to diversify across those channels, particularly because there will be users on there that are unique that aren't necessarily searching on Google, that aren't necessarily, mm -hmm. um, you know, on Meta. I think naturally we've seen Gen Z and the rise of TikTok being the search engine that they're using instead of using Google. So I think just making sure that we're capturing as much of that audience as possible. I think once you've then kind of 
you know, reached all of that potential, you know, low hanging fruit. Yeah. That's when you can start really branching out into the brand awareness based objectives um, and really trying to get a, you know, a larger amount of reach um, with your ad spend to then drive people down the funnels that you've created from the conversion sort of side of things. Campaign objectives are you doing there? you say so there's there's i mean again it depends what you're trying to achieve um and again it's it yeah realistically i think typically the the main ones that you can really go after um in terms of getting the most for your money from i guess like an awareness objective um is the awareness objective um across um across meta pinterest tiktok um because you're getting really really cheap cpms at that's at that state and you're getting eyeballs on content you can look at video views campaigns. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to move, I guess, slightly further down the funnel, we do have, you know, you've got traffic-based campaigns, engagement-based campaigns. But again, I think those are a bit more situational. Um, I think if you're really going out for, you know, a big brand-led messaging um, campaign, for example, I think those, um, you know, awareness-based campaigns are probably the best approach to go for. Okay, cool. That makes sense. And especially on the e-commerce side, if we talk specifically about that for a moment, um, Product catalog is where we see a lot of success and have seen a lot of success recently. How can brands sort of elevate the, you know, their activity with catalog? How can they elevate their existing product catalog to perform better? Because um, I know obviously that does drive a lot of conversions based, you know, for us, sort of that higher return on ad spend. But yeah, what would you say in terms of like optimizing that catalog activity so i think it's about catalog usage where where are you using it within the conversion journey um i think everyone's go-to is let's do dynamic retargeting which is you know the easy go-to you see a product online it then follows you around until hopefully someone buys it um but you know i think recently you know over the last kind of 18 months kind of two years we've been really um i guess delving into Facebook's dynamic ads for broad audiences, which is utilizing your product feed as a prospecting tool um, and is really looking at high intent conversion based audiences. Um, And again, meta are categorizing people based on their browser behavior, Mm -hmm. what they've been looking at um, to be able to serve products that are relevant for them at when you know when they're ready to purchase essentially so that's been a really really big tool um for us scaling those brands um but i think it's also really important to make sure that you're utilizing your product feed in a way that's going to be engaging Mm -hmm. i think and and again we've, we've discussed this on podcasts before but you need a level of cut through with product feed. Quite a lot of product feeds are product on white background. It gets yeah. a bit boring when you're scrolling through and you, all you see is lots of different brands running yeah. products, white yeah. background images. So using catalog overlays is going to be really important in that scenario. Um, just adding that extra level of cut mm-hmm. through. Um, and the, the benefit of that as well is you can start overlaying USPs. You can start um, you know overlaying if you've got access to any third party tools as well. Um, you can start adding kind of dynamic overlays as well to really add that extra layer yeah. um, to your product fees. Um, I think adding on to that as well, um, the use of storefront based um catalog ads as well is is really good and we've seen great success from that so again if those of you listening who don't understand what those are essentially they are collection based ad and you have either an image or a video that sits um sits at the top basically and you have your product feed that runs underneath and again you can segment your product feed based on 
potentially what you're ser serving in that image. So you can almost make it like a lookbook or it can be a product category that you can run with there. And again, we've seen really, really good success, success off there, you know, off the end of that. Yeah. On those like broad audiences, uh, catalog campaigns, like top of funnel, are we, do we ever, do you typically advise keeping it initially anyway, like all products within that feed or do you ever categorize that down by maybe best sellers for for men's products or best sellers for women's or you know fleeces or whatever that may look like do you ever bring that down another stage or do you recommend to get enough volume through those campaigns so i think products? again it depends where we're using it within the user journey and which campaign type we're using it for as well i think dynamic ads for broad audiences from the testing that we've done we've always found that just keeping that as broad as possible in terms of what you've got in your catalog letting it run mm -hmm. um obviously excluding any kind of bits and bobs on there like gift cards and all that kind of thing that yeah. you don't want on your product feed um but that's kind of the best way that we've seen being able to drive performance from that side of things i think the moment you then start using that product product feed potentially um you know just in a regular conversions based um campaign whether that's at top of the funnel middle of the funnel that's when we can really start segmenting that product feed i think certainly when you hit middle of the funnel when someone's engaged with the website a little bit you know they've been on the product category pages mm -hmm. we can then start segmenting that product feed yeah. based on what category pages people have been visiting because at the end of the day they might not have clicked on a product yet which would then put them in the dynamic mm -hmm. marketing pool and we still want to be able to capture that user so that's a really good way to do if so they've looked at trousers for example we might yeah. want to deliver the top performing trousers within yeah that, that particular category and i guess moving on from catalogs but very closely aligned is that creative piece um i know we talk about this a lot bang on about it all the time that naturally it is a super important part of any sort of paid social campaign what major things have we learned there especially over like the last six 12 months would you say in terms of structure um creative type how how you sort of plan and think about those creatives obviously it depends client to client and brand to brand but any sort of key tips? Yeah, it's always there. something we hammer home. And I swear you guys never hear, you know, <laughs> stop hearing us talking about it. But um, I think, you know, a user journey is a journey at the end of the day. And you don't want to get hit with the same piece of creative throughout that, that journey. It's mm -hmm. just not particularly engaging. And fatigue can set in, you know, relatively quickly if you've got the yeah. same piece of creative running at every kind of stage um, or each of those different touch points. So I think... Some of the stuff that, you know, we've always built together in terms of the, you know, the account structure that we use, um, you know, at top of the funnel, which is where we do all of our prospecting activity, quite a lot of the time, video content, lifestyle content works really, really well at this stage at trying to initially capture that user um, in terms of, you know, really trying to sell in the brand. Um, and then as soon as you kind of move down into that middle of the funnel, you kind of have that consideration phase is when being a bit more product focused mm -hmm. and being more um, social proof led becomes more important. There's extra elements that have, you know, based on research that we've done that users take into account what kind of people are in that consideration phase. So, you know, the that social proofing piece is really important, you know, looking at reviews, testimonials, influencer-based content. Yeah. UGC is really, really important to kind of get that user back onto the site and getting them further down the funnel. Yeah. And I guess from all the learnings that we've had as well, moving forward, how should people be expecting the sort of landscape to be changing? And is there any sort of 
key things that have happened over the last few months? I don't yeah, know. I mean, everyone's going to hate me for saying this, but automation again, um, it's it's taking over. Um, like Advantage Plus shopping campaigns um, have come out recently, and again, they're kind of blowing blowing all <laughs> of our old campaign structures out of the water. To be yeah. fair, they're performing very very well, and the, kind of the level of flexibility that you have with the campaign type is is is, is actually quite high, even though they are an automated campaign type in terms of the audience targeting that you have on there. So I guess from like a creative standpoint, I think what we've noticed again, separating your product feed and your regular creative into two separate advantage plus campaigns, okay. because the product feed will just cannibalize all the rest of the activity because right. Meta will just prioritize spend there. Um, but I think, you know, you can have up to eight Advantage Plus campaigns per territory. So there's a lot of testing okay. that you can do in terms of splitting those out and segmenting them and also running different types of creative based on the audience that you're targeting. Now you're probably thinking, well, it's all automated targeting. Um, how are you going to change the audience? Well, you can overlay your current audience um, pool that you've got. So take yeah. an internal CRM list, upload it into the campaign type. And then there's a tick box that you can tick on there with a proportion of budget that you want to spend on your, um, you know, on your current customers versus yeah. the current, you know, the budget that you want to spend on acquiring new customers. Yeah. And you can flex that essentially. So if you want to spend a hundred percent of your budget on your current customers to get them to re-engage, you can do that. You can create, you know, assets that, specifically designed to try and get those users to come back and purchase. So there's lots of different ways that we can start leveraging that campaign objective and campaign type um, alongside, you know, our typical kind of top of the funnel, mm -hmm. middle of the funnel, bottom of the funnel um, to try and get those users onto site and purchase. But initially it's <laughs> looking very good at the moment. How have you seen it work if you're running Advantage Plus alongside your traditional top, middle, bottom? Are you recommending that you could just only run Advantage Plus or would you still be incorporating other sort of So we are in a position, I think at the moment we've done, you know, reasonable amount of testing. There's still a lot more testing to do. Um, but initially when we launched the campaigns, we are running them alongside our top of the funnel, middle of the funnel, bottom of the funnel campaigns. Yes, there is a little bit of cannibalization there, but I think you, you run them alongside each other. You're definitely capturing revenue streams that you haven't quite had access to before as well. Yeah. So you're definitely reaching new users on that side of things. Um, but for one of the clients that we work with, we're actually transitioning away from our top of the middle of the, and middle of the funnel campaign structure and replacing it with Advantage Plus, um, which is kind of a big change up. Um, and we're going to see how that runs with just Advantage Plus running without that top and middle of the funnel side of things as a bit of a test over yeah. the next few months. So hopefully we'll be in a position to, yeah. to give you listeners, a, a, um, you know, the listeners a, a bit more of an um, understanding of how that's performing. But um, yeah, it's an ex exciting time from that side and of things. With, when you're running Advantage Plus alongside a traditional top, middle, bottom, how much budget, you know, proportion of budget, total budget on a daily basis are you putting into that Advantage Plus versus everything else 50 50 pretty much i'm launching things with at the moment um it's again it's all performance based we're always going to look at it from what's what's doing well but the client that we've then moved over to full advantage plus um campaign targeting um has been a gradual process so mm -hmm. we've been slowly weaning budget off top middle of the funnel and then pushing it into advantage plus and we're now at the place now where advantage plus is the way forward but again awesome. it's uh it's exciting times yeah. with the new campaign side my final question yeah how what's the split when you're 
you know, changing it between targeting current customers versus new customer acquisition of new customers. Have you done much, have we done much testing within that those ranges and seen different performance or it capping out different frequencies because it's retargeting too heavily? Where are you sort of positioning that? at the moment is it very heavily so we're still we're still we're still quite early in the testing phase of this um i think the 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 kind of two benchmarks that we've set so far is a 90 10 split and an 80 20 split um we found the 90 10 split seems to be kind of the better of the two so Mm -hmm. far um but we haven't quite done enough testing yet to be able to say you know actually maybe like a you know 100 percent current uh, you know, existing customer base, let's go after them with some um, bespoke types of creative to target for them. That's kind of our main testing avenue to go down next. Um, but, the, you know, the availability is to do it there and we are very excited to see how that performs. Yeah, We're going to have to do another podcast specifically on Advantage Plus in yep. three to six months times of all our learnings of that as well. But yeah, thank you very much for everyone for watching today um we're going to be producing a lot more podcasts on paid socials to do so do make sure to subscribe hit that like button light on fire hit it as hard as you possibly can (laughs) across linkedin youtube wherever you're watching and we'll be yeah hopefully be seeing you soon